And the church say amen. Amen. But aren't you thankful? All of those things can be found in the name of Jesus. Amen. My favorite of those is where it says there is life in his name. You know, apart from Jesus, there is no life. The Bible says you are dead in your trespasses. You are dead in your sin. You are dead. It could not be any more clearer than that. But in the name of Jesus, there is life. Amen? Aren't you thankful for that? There's life in the name of Jesus. Oh, that we would celebrate that more than just on a Sunday. Amen? Every day we would celebrate the life, not the physical birth, but our spiritual birth that we have with the Lord Jesus. Amen? Amen. Well, we're walking through, looking at faithfulness as a church. And we're looking at the title, Who's Your One? We walk through being faithful, being found faithful in worship. And I believe that's taking place today. We have looked at being found faithful in fellowship. I believe that's been, uh, we have been taking part of faith uh, fellowship today. We are now looking at being found faithful in evangelism. You heard my definition of evangelism. It's very simple. Uh, sharing, up, sharing Jesus with others. That's, that is very simple, isn't it? Telling other people about Jesus. And that's evangelism. And so we want to be found faithful as a church in evangelism. It's why the church exists. Amen? It's why we exist as a church. Not to come to church. You don't come to church, you are the church. Amen? May we not say, I'm going to church. I am the church. We're all going to gather together as the body of believers. Everybody's coming together to worship the Lord, to be faithful in worship, faithful in fellowship. And then we're going to leave from this place and be faithful in evangelism all over the Southern Baptist Convention. They are, we are preaching on who is your one. Who's your one? And many people... I've got one of these cards down here that says, who's your one? And on this side, you write a name of someone who is your one, that one person that you know needs the Lord Jesus. And you write their name, you tear that part off, and you keep this bottom part as a prayer guide. And you pray every day for that person. The scriptures that are there, you read those scriptures, you pray for that person every day that God would save them. If God doesn't save them, they won't get saved. Amen? God has to do it. And God has put it on your heart to pray that they would be saved. And so you do all 30 days. You check that off. And you read the scriptures. And you pray for that person. And you hold on to this and, and pray for them. God doesn't put them in your life for nothing. They are your co-workers so that they would come to know Jesus through you. Amen? They are your family members, your friends, your relatives, your neighbors. That they would come to know Christ because of you. That you would share the gospel with them. Who is your one? Are you being faithful in evangelism? We would think, when we think of the word one, we would think, well, how significant is just one? It's not that big of a deal. I mean, one cookie is really not that much, right? I don't think I've ever had one cookie. Anybody in here, you lying if you say, I've had just one. One time in my life I did it. I just had one. 
Now I know there's places that have cookies that big. Now that you might not, you might as well stick with one of those like, if they're that big. Many people, you can't eat. I think um, uh, there was a popular commercial. I think it was about chips or something. It says, "Bet you can't eat what? Just one." Doritos? Is it Lay's chips? Doritos? Pringles? Pringles? None of y'all know. Y'all just shout stuff out. It's Lay's potato chips. Oh, what? Yellow bag. I thought you said yellow bag. I didn't know what that was. We didn't have those in the first. All right. You can't. I bet you can't eat just one. Is that true? Man, you got all that salt. You're like, I got to have something else. I got to drink something. Bet you can't eat just one. Many, many of us will say, well, what's just one? It, one's not that significant. What's the value of, hey, all the adults in here, what's the value of just one dog? We laugh. Ha! What's the value of that one dollar? It's not going to get you much anymore. Many people in the room, you remember when one dollar would get you a lot. Today, you're not, you can't even get a gallon of gas with it. It's not going to get you much. What's the value of only one dollar? But we know when you read the scriptures, the Bible consistently speaks of one. In the passage of John chapter 1, one pearl of great price, one lost sheep, one wayward son. The disciples of Jesus often would overlook the value of one. Oftentimes, it only takes one invitation, one gospel presentation, one message of hope with one neighbor, one co-worker, one friend. Can you name one person who has come to Christ through your invite and your witness? One person? There are people in this room. They have come in on Christ because God gave me the opportunity to share the one God, one Lord, one mediator with that one person. And God saved them. And I've been able to see what God has been able to do through their whole family. You would never be able to convince me what is the value of one person. Many people would say if you can reach the dad, you can just about reach the whole family. There is value in one. One. There is only one. And his name's Jesus. There's not many. There is much value in one. The gospel makes all of this possible. There is one message, and that is the gospel message. The Bible says that it is the power of God for salvation. Paul in the same passage says, For therefore I am not ashamed of that gospel, because it's all I need, and it's all you need, is the gospel message. Our main text for this morning will come from John chapter 1. John chapter 1, speaking of the importance of one. John chapter 1, verses 45 and 46, and then also verse 49. You will open up your copy of God's Word, the Scriptures, open up the apps on your devices. If you found your place, if you'll stand with me as we read the Scriptures together. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John chapter 1, verse 45 and 46. Look at the importance of one. Philip found Nathaniel and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and so did the prophets. Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nathaniel asked him. Rabbi, verse 49, Rabbi, Nathaniel replied, You are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Matthew chapter 13, it says again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. When he found one priceless pearl, he went and sold everything he had, and he bought it. Why? Because that one pearl did everything. 
There is an importance of one. And that's why we are praying about who is your one. There's value in one. There's value in you sharing the one message that we have, the gospel, with one person. Let's pray. Lord, we are thankful for time of worship. God, we're thankful for the scriptures. We're thankful, God, for the gospel message that we have one message, and that's it. We don't have to invent another one. We don't have to come up with another one. Lord, you have wrote it clearly in the scriptures that the power of God for salvation is the gospel message. And may we, like Paul, be not ashamed of it. Lord, help us to have a heart for evangelism. Help us to have a passion to share the gospel with one. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I have three observations with you. Uh, responsibility is to go through those fairly quickly. Reason is, is I know of some families that are joining and we have four baptisms that are coming. Amen. Aren't you thankful for that? And we've got 570 miles to go tonight. So uh, I, I say it's going to be shortest mentions ever. I know we'll get out saying normal time. So if it's eight, I just know that in my heart. But uh, I was hoping we could head, start heading north a little sooner. Observation number one, commit to being an intentional witness. Commit to being an intentional witness. There's a word in there. That is, in bold print, that word is intentional. You and I must be, and it requires an intentionality on our part to share the gospel with that one. You must be intentional. How many in this room, and there really might be some, I'm not, this is not like a joke question. Like, there really might be some. How many in this room have ever had someone come up to them and say, can you tell me about Jesus? Share the gospel with me. Raise a hand. Anybody in here? There are some around the room. I'm raising my hand. I have had people say that. But in a room of probably 375, 400, whatever is in here, there was about four hands that went up. Okay? That's a low percentage of the amount of people that are coming to you and me and saying, please, please, would you share the gospel with me? Why? Why is that? Well, they're not interested in that, so therefore, we must be intentional of sharing with that one. Who is your one? You wrote their name down. Be intentional with that one. We must commit to being intentional witness to them. Oftentimes, it's not just going to happen. Now, God will give the opportunity. God will have what we call divine interventions, these moments that God has ordained years ago for you and that person to meet up, to be alone at lunch or to sit uh, and, and just have a chat at work, just you two. And God has orchestrated that moment for you to be a witness to that one. How many times have we walked away and we didn't? And we neglected to be the one. We, we neglected to share the gospel knowing that we are called to do that, knowing that we are the one to share the gospel with them. We must be intentional. Oftentimes it won't just happen. It will require intentionality. It'll also require accountability. Accountability for you to stick to your commitment that you have made. When you have called upon the Lord Jesus to be your Lord, your master, you say, God, I want to do anything you call me to do. You are Lord over my life now. 
You're the Lord. You're master. It's not me. It's you. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. And so therefore, we look at the scriptures and the Bible says to go and make disciples of all nations. You will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth and all over. And so we must be intentional and accountable and stick to the commitment that we've made to the Lord Jesus. We said yes to all of that when you got saved. Did you know that? You said yes to the commands of the Lord Jesus when God saved you. It requires intentionality. It requires accountability. You will need to have people to join you in the mission. It also requires maturity. Maturity as a disciple maker in order to persevere in the mission and move forward after rejection or move forward in weird conversations that you have with people. I share the gospel with people, people I know, people I don't know, and man, you will, you'll hear all kinds of things. Most of the time, you're not going to get that, okay? But there are some times you will get a weirdness in a conversation with people. They will ask you things. You'll go, well, well I don't know. I, that, what kind of question is that? Why would you ask me about that? I don't say that. I'm thinking that. I'm trying to come up with an answer. Like, what can I tell them? I don't know what to tell them. And sometimes you go, man, I just don't know that. I, I, I've never read that in the scriptures. So I can't, I mean, I just, I, I haven't memorized it all, but I, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to have to go research some of that. So there has to include some maturity in our intentional witness towards others. We must be committed, number one, committed to the Lord Jesus. If you are not evangelizing and proselytizing around you, just a word for evangelism, sharing the gospel. If you have no desire for that, I, will, I would ask you to pray and say, Lord, am I really committed to you? A lack of evangelism in our lives is a lack of commitment to the Lord Jesus. Do you believe that? No? You know why? Because that hits to our heart. There's many people who have been a Christian for years and years and years, have no desire, have never evangelized, never shared the gospel with anybody. You may need to reevaluate your commitment to the Lord Jesus. Because there might not be one. A commitment to the Lord means a commitment to His commands and a commitment to following through His command. Commit to being intentional, an intentional witness to those around you. Be intentional. Be accountable. Have people around you. Have other co-workers that you know are Christ followers. Have them be accountable to you. Let your Sunday school class be hold you accountable to that. Go with someone in your class. If y'all live in the same neighborhood, you have the same friends. It's part of our outreach model. Observation number two, quite easy, go and tell. That's what the scriptures say. Go and tell. It's what Philip did with Nathaniel. He went and he told. Uh, listen to what I'm telling you. We have found him. We found the one that Moses wrote about all the prophets. Jesus, the son of God, son of Joseph from Nazareth. We found him. He is the son of God, the king of all Israel. Go and tell. That's the only a mission that we have as the church. Did you know that? Nowhere in the scriptures does it say build big buildings, build the pews, get lots of money, have this committee, have that committee, have all of these things, have a gym, have this big parking lot. Nowhere in scripture does it say that. What does it say? Go and tell. We're doing everything the Bible doesn't say to do, and we're neglecting to do the only thing the Bible says to do. Go and tell. Amen? Now, are you against the gym, Pastor Mike? 
Are you against big buildings? Absolutely not. You know why? Because I believe that if we're going and telling, people are going to start coming. Amen? And you better be ready and prepared for people to start coming. So we're going to be fishermen. We're going to go. We're going to fish. I've never caught a fish without a hook in the water. Never done. Now there's other ways, Trap. I get all that. Just follow me here. I'm from London. I know all the ways you can fish. <laughs> Including some dynamite. I get it. I know all those ways. But the most legal way of fishing, unless you put a hook in the water, you'll never catch anything. And many people say, well, I've never led anybody to Jesus. You know why? Because your hook is still dry. You've never put it in the water. You've never thrown it in the water. Go and tell each disciple, each Christ follower, church member, he invites one unchurched, unsaved person to breakfast, lunch, or dinner this year. Share your testimony and tell the gospel story. You have that one that you have wrote on this card. Invite them to lunch. Invite them to breakfast on Saturday morning. Invite them to dinner to your house at least this year. Share your testimony. Tell the gospel story. Open up your home. Invite them in. And say, we're going to have a great meal. All you got to do is show up. Bring your wife, bring the kids, bring all of them. We're just going to sit around the table having a good, have a good time. And then you're going to share your, your gospel's testimony. You're going to share the, the, what God has done for you. You know why? Because nobody can discredit that. Nobody can take that away from you. Let me tell you what God has done for me. So that one that you have on this car, invite them to your house. Invite them over. Bring them into your home. Cook them a good meal. Sit them at your table. Have fellowship, biblical fellowship. And then tell them your testimony. Invite a family in your neighborhood to your home. Choose one of your family members to tell his or her story of coming to Christ. Find a, a family in your neighborhood that you don't know very well. That when you leave for church, their car's still there. When you come home from church, they're cutting grass. More likely, they're not going to church, okay? Go to that family one, one day. Hey, we would love to invite you to our home. We don't know you very well. We'd love to get to know you. We'd love to invite you to our home. Invite one of your neighbors, their family, to your home. Go and tell. Bring, bring them into your home. Give them a good meal. Share the gospel with them. Let someone share his or her testimony of coming to Christ. Invite an unchurched, unsafe person to attend church with you. Peter invited Andrew to come and meet Jesus. Invite them to church. Hey, I'd love for you to come to church. I'd love for you to do that. I, I was uh, dropping off some uh, clothes. At, uh, I won't say where. But I was dropping off some clothes somewhere. and, and uh, so It was at a place that receives you know, donations like that. Uh, it, wasn't a, it wasn't a thrift store. Anyway, I was dropping off some clothes, and, and I had backed up to this door. And, uh, as I, I was getting these bags out, there was a lady uh, just holding the door open. And, and uh, I have a piece of a mag you know, on, the, on the back of my truck with a tailgate, which my kids move all the time, which means I got clean and uh, dirty circles all over because that's what the mag was when I went through the car. And so she looked at that, and I could, I could see her looking, and she said, you go to East of Baptist. I said, yes, ma'am. I said, Maggie, man, that thing will give it away, don't it? I said, I'm glad I was acting right. You know, I'm just joking around. And she said, I think that's cool. I've heard a lot about East of Baptist. I said, well, I don't believe everything here. You know, I said, if it's good, believe it. If it's negative, don't believe that. It's no good there. And she said, well, how long have you gone there? I said, well, actually, I'm the pastor there. What? All right. <laughs> People do that. 
someone come into the office, just just like the last weekend, the gym was in there. And they said, he's the pastor of the church. Like, I went, oh, wow, well, great, wonderful, good for you. Like, congratulations. Which way I go? I know, right? This is amazing. Just from that man, I had a lot to do that day. I had a lot going on, which is most of the time. I'm in and out, I got to go. I stood there, and she poured her heart out to me for nearly over an hour. It was amazing. It was amazing. And God impressed on my heart to pray for her right there. She knows the Lord Jesus. She declared that. Sometimes God just puts it in your lap. You know what? Take advantage of that. They don't have it all. If somebody starts talking to you about difficulties in their life, nothing else matters, okay? You let them talk. You let them share. Now, was I late to my next appointment? I was late. I got in my truck. I tasted. I'm late. I apologize. This is why I'm pleased excuse my tardiness. They were like, no, it's fine. No big deal. Nothing else matters in life when God gives you the opportunity to share about Jesus. Amen? That's the only thing that matters in that point. Why? Because it's life or death to them. Why or death? You already got it. But maybe they don't. The challenge is for each one to bring one. Bring them into your home. Bring them into the church. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, you yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are Christ's letter delivered by us, not written with me, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. He says, you're our letter how you live and how you operate, how you share the gospel and live out the gospel in your life. So we have this book here, the scriptures. They're important to us. They're important to you and to our lives. We, we are governed by this. The church and, and, and the body of believers were governed by this. But too often today, it really hunts me a little bit. If I can just get this off my chest for a second. And he goes along with this. I'm not chasing a rabbit, but and all too often, we're so worried about defending this. Defend, defend, defend. Oh, i got to defend the scriptures on abortion. Oh, i got to defend the Bible. That's what the Bible says. Defend the Bible on homosexuality. Defend the Bible on sexual morality. Defend the Bible on lying and all these other sins. The Bible don't need you to defend it. It stands alone. It's powerful enough. It's worthy enough. It stands alone. It doesn't need, need me to defend it. It doesn't need us to defend it. The Bible is not written so you and I defend it. The Bible is written so you and I declare it. We declare it. Now, I understand when people get scriptures wrong, we need to address that. I get that. I, I'm not saying we shouldn't defend and, and really try to make sure we get the scriptures and rightly divide, divide okay? I'm not saying that. I saw that. I shared this. Did you see this man? Aaron, I don't know if you saw this. It's anybody, most people won't get this, but y'all will. I think John and Mr. Ray will get this. It said, You better check your Jesus before you break your Jesus. Y'all didn't see that anyway. Exegesis, check it for you, whatever. The rightly divides what it means. I laughed out loud. A man was like, What are you laughing at? She got it. Currently, y'all did. Oh, whatever. <laughs> Today's our anniversary. She's lived for 12 years. She gets this. Right. Anyway, yes, we want to rightly divide the scriptures. 
But the Bible was written not for you and I to defend it all the time. It was written for us to declare. Declare the scripture. Declare the glory of the Lord through the gospel. Number three, recognize and repent of excuses. Here we go. Recognize. And when you recognize excuses, repent of those excuses. Recognize and then repent of excuses. You know I got some excuses, don't you? Let's read them together. Excuse number one, spiritual lethargy. It takes place when we fail to obey. It's a lack of growth, which ends up leading to a diminished desire to share Christ with others. We get excited about earthly things, but not excited about kingdom things. We are lethargic in our walk with the Lord. That's an excuse. Recognize that in your own heart and repent of it today. So that you will not be lethargic in your walk with the Lord. You, when it comes to a lot of earthly things, man, we're, we, we're energized. We're energetic by it. But when it comes to the things of God, we become spiritually lethargic. Recognize that, and if you know it, recognize it and repent of it. Number two, growing inclusiveness. We live in a world now where all roads lead to heaven. And it's going into the church more and more and more and more. It don't matter what you do. It don't matter who you go to, where you go, who you call out to. If you don't go to heaven anyway. And we have this growing inclusiveness that uh, he can be found, God can be found in a lot of other good religions. It's a subtle belief that somehow good followers will make it to heaven outside of true Christian conversion. But we know there is one Lord. Amen? There is one God. There is one message. There is one faith, one baptism. We must rebuke any kind of inclusiveness when it comes to the scriptures. Number three, disbelief, disbelief in hell. Many people do not believe there is a hell. If there is a heaven, there is a hell. The only reason there is good news is because there is bad news. If there is no bad news, it's just what? News. That's right. This undermines the urgency of placing one's faith in Christ alone. We must escape the wrath of God, and Jesus is the only refuge of man. Many people don't believe that the wrath of God is on the unjust, and it is. If you have a disbelief in hell, recognize that in your heart, repent today. Number four, busyness. Busyness. The church needs us to tell them about Jesus. This, the gospel, needs to be on our to-do list. How many here you like to write to-do lists? How many here would love to have to-do lists and go, go by them and follow them like their religion? Anybody else? I, I would love to do that. Like, I would love to be the guy that has to-do lists and checking them all. I would love to be that guy. I've done it once or twice. I didn't go by it. I just... I don't know. I, I just don't operate that way. I, I wish I did. Though. I really do. I just don't. This needs to be on our to-do list. Share the gospel. Be a witness. Go and tell. But for many of us in here, what do we say? It's too busy. It's too busy. You know what I say to that? You're right. You are. You're too busy. We're too busy pouring ourselves out to the world. Pouring ourselves out to the princes of this of the dark world. 
We're too busy pouring our energies, our words, our money, our resources. We're too busy pouring ourselves out to the things of the world. And when it comes to the things of God, we're empty. We're just trying to find some drop in there for the things of God, yet we're trying. If busyness is your excuse for sharing the gospel with people, recognize that in your heart and repent. Number five, I hear this all the time, fear of rejection. Fear of rejection. Research shows that only one in four unchurched persons will be resistant to faith in this, to faith discussions. One in four. What does that mean? 75% of people are open to faith discussions, spiritual discussions. 75%. And we're going to allow 25% to dictate what we do. Why don't we just walk in the 75%? The few with an antagonistic attitude are not rejecting you personally. Their anger is merely a reflection of something in their past. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting their own sin. They're rejecting their own actions in their own life. If you have a fear of rejection, you can say, well, what if they say something I don't want the answer to? I don't know. How about that? What if you said, I don't know? Well, I thought you were supposed to be a good Christian. Well, maybe I'm not. I don't know. I'm going to find out, though. If fear of rejection is your excuse for not sharing the gospel with your one, recognize that in your own heart. Repent of that today. Number six, a desire to be tolerant. A desire to be tolerant. We live in a world now, everybody has to be what? Tolerant. Oh, you've got to be tolerant to my ideas and the way I do things. But we have to be intolerant. People have to, you know, what about us and our views and Christianity? In the world today, there's a desire to be tolerant. Listen, the gospel is, in some sense, intolerant. The gospel is. It's intolerant in some sense. The one true God insists that there can be no other gods. He's a jealous God. The Christian message speaks of a narrow way and no other name under heaven by which I'm saved. And Jesus is the only way. We have a desire in this world today, a desire to be tolerant. Oh, we're going to be tolerant to the release. Oh, I don't want to hurt their feelings. The Bible itself is intolerant to many things. And God says there is only one God, one way, and that's it. You do not get to heaven except through Jesus. That's it. And that's what we preach. There will never be a church that preaches anything different. Amen? And if I do, you kick me out. I promise me, do that. You hold me accountable to that. We'll never be intolerant to sin. The Bible itself, there's only one. And he's a jealous God. If your excuse is a desire to be tolerant and not hurt people's feelings in an ungodly way, let me put it that way, don't be a jerk. Be nice. If that's your excuse, recognize that in your heart and repent. Number seven, losing the habit of witnessing. Some people would say, well, I used to be good at it, but not anymore. The reason is you just quit doing it. You're not doing it anymore. Witnessing takes practice. It is what we call a discipline. The good thing is that disciplines can be relearned and regained. Relearned and regained. So many people say, well, I, don't, I don't witness anymore because I, I, mean, I used to, I was good at it, I love it, but I don't do it anymore. Well, you can pick up that discipline again and relearn and regain that in your own heart. If that is your excuse, recognize that in your heart and repent. Number eight, a lack of accountability. If your excuse is a lack of accountability, may you recognize that in your heart and repent. Why well, just don't have anybody around me to help? 
When you have someone holding you accountable, it will increase your zeal for witnessing. Man, that's the great beauty of our small groups. You can be held accountable. They will go with you. You can go together. So if your excuse is a lack of accountability, you just don't want to do it by yourself, recognize that in your heart with him. Number nine, a failure to invite. Can I ask you a question? When was the last time you invited an unchurched person to church? An unchurched, not a church. That's easy. That's easy because we're friends with them. When's the last time you invited an unchurched person to church? Have you offered to take someone to church or uh, to meet them in the parking lot? When's the last time you invited a lost family, lost person, unchurched person to church? When you said, I will meet you in the parking lot at, at 1045, I will meet you out front. You will walk in with me. It seems like a simple gesture that can have such a significant outcome. I've done that. I will meet you in the parking lot. If you will just text me, here's my number. You text me when you get here. I will meet you in the parking lot. You can walk in with me. I'll introduce you to everybody that I know. And you just come on in here with me and you can be with me. When's the last time you've done that? When's the last time you have invited an unchurched person to church? Many people's, a person's excuse for not witnessing is just a failure to do it, a failure to invite. If that is your excuse, please recognize that in your heart and repent. Number 10, church not intent on reaching the lost. It said that it takes 85 church members to reach an unsaved person. Man, what a terrible ratio that is. Churches must regain their passion for the lost. Amen. I can say with all of my heart, that is not your excuse. That's not your excuse. Because I know the pastors in this church. I know me. And I know that I am intent on reaching the lost. And that is our only goal. You could never use that excuse at East Devoted Baptist Church. And I, I can, man, I can put my word on it. You'll never be able to use that excuse here. Amen? We will be intent on reaching the lost. That's our only goal. We're not going to be worried about carpet. We're not going to be worried about units and walls and paint and, and who did this, who did that, got mud on the carpet here. We're not going to be worried about any of that. We're not going to be worried about who said this, who sat here, they took my seat. We're not worried about any of that, are we? No. What are we worried about? Lost people coming to know Christ. That's all we're worried about. That's all we're here for. We have no... Uh, sacred cows here. You can, I mean, don't come do it, but you can move stuff around like nothing is sacred here. It's funny when you have new folks come to the church and they've been in the church for a year or two and they don't have a wedding or birthday party. I'm like, hey, like, can we move the flowers up front? Like, is that okay? And I'll go, no. Dude, better not do that. Like, yeah, they're, they're just flowers. They're not even real. Like, they look wonderful. They're great. But they're just, I mean, they're just flowers on the table. We're not worried about that, are we? Are we? Are we? No. What are we worried about? The lost people come to know Christ. That's all we're worried about. And if you're a visitor or a guest with us and you want to be a part of a church that all they're worried about is people coming to know Christ as their Savior, you have found it. Are we good at it? Nope. Are we trying? I hope so. Are we working at it? I hope so. Let me ask you this. Will you be intentional? Will you be accountable? Will you be a mature believer, a disciple maker? Will you go after that one? Let's pray. Lord, we love you.
Thank you for the scriptures. Lord, I believe that there are people in this room, they are the one. They're the one that somebody would write their name down. They're the one. Lord, I pray for them that they are, if they need the Lord Jesus. Listen, if you're in this room and you're the one, you say, Pastor Mike, that's me. I need the Lord Jesus. I need Jesus in my life. That's me. Listen, the Bible says that if you'll pray, you confess your sins to Him, and you confess that He is Lord over your life now, and you ask Him to save you today, the Bible says He will. The invitation is already there. The invitation of the cross and the empty tomb. The invitation is there. Would you receive that invitation to come to know Christ? That's all we care about today, is that you came in here lost, but you will leave here found in Jesus' name. Do you need that today? I'll be down front. Pastor Matt, Pastor John will be down front. We'd love to talk with you, pray with you. Listen, if you're a believer in here, and God has spoken to your heart, not me, but the Lord has spoken to your heart, there may be some excuses in your own life. And there may, there may be some that I didn't even read, we didn't even talk about. He said, man, that's been my excuse, but not anymore. I recognize it, and I'm going to repent of it. I pray that you come down and, and, and have uh, a business with the Lord. Repent of that. And hey, we go, we're going to go fishing. East of Oka Baptist Church, we're going to be fishermen. We're going to get off the shore. We're going to get in the boat. And we're going to go fishing. We're going to be prepared to do it. We're going to be excited to go fishing. And we're going to keep fishing. Until we catch one. And we're going to honor and praise the Lord because of it. In just a moment, we're going to see four baptisms of people. Somebody went fishing and it God saved them. Is that you? Do you need that today? Father, have your way. In Jesus' name. Amen.